Poetry night lives in the future. Poetry is, you know. Poetry, but what we do? Poetry is, you know. Poetry, but what we do? Poetry is, you know. Poetry night rings through. Uh, Dee Dee Chapman is a Pacific Northwest transplant who studied creative writing at Western Washington University. This has been her home for six years. She came from Colorado, the whole state. Uh, she is a cinephile. She loves megalodons. And I would really love to welcome our beautiful Dee Dee Chapman to the stage for her feature. Looks about about right. Cool. Woo. Thanks, guys, for having me. I'm really honored to be here. Um, and you're all wonderful people. Thank you all for reading. Um, I'm going to do the poem thing. This is called Molt. <clears throat> the truth is that we were running. It didn't matter what from. Just summer again. Pine saw and boxes. Our hands tinted charcoal black from wrapping newspaper around dishes. It meant Neil Diamond, ABBA, Jim Croce playing through the house at full volume. It meant removing any hint of our presence from every neglected crevice. It meant seeing my bedroom stretched like a stomach, filled and emptied. I'm a Capricorn, a goat. My birthday is January 5th. My legal name is Diane Chapman, but on my birth certificate I was Diane Violate Barlow. A testament to my father's name as well as his lack of education. He meant my middle name to tell the world I was soft and sweet as his grandmother, Violet. He just spelled it wrong. No one noticed for ten years. Mountain goats have two coats. The dense inner layer is hidden beneath another of stronger, hollow strands. This is how they withstand winter temperatures 50 degrees below and winds that travel 100 miles an hour. They must be cloaked twice a protective boundary that, if you look close enough, is empty. On January 3rd, 1870, construction began on the Brooklyn Bridge. An estimated 20 or 30 people died building it. One of them was my ancestor, who fell into the concrete as it was poured. He was buried there, bones, flesh, fluids, and name. He left behind a wife with 11 children. Unable to support them all, he, she adopted some out to a family of the English surname, Chapman. I've been having the same dream intermittently all my life. 
I'm driving up a mountain pass in the snow with my family. The turns are all impossible switchbacks that take hours to ascend. At the top, we crest a peak so cute that the car should stop, high-centered. Instead, we go screaming down the other side, our guts sucked tight into our stomachs. Instead of relief, we plummet. Mountain goats are the only species in the genus Oriamnos. It's a derivation split between the term oros, mountain, oreos, mountain nymph, and omnos, lamb. If the lamb is meek and the nymph so free, is it the mountain that makes the goat? After all, it's by rubbing against rocks that they molt. Thank you. Um, I'm not used to being this tall. I'm wearing my tall shoes, and it's a little tricky. I think I'm going to tilt this just a little higher. Ooh, okay. Um, this is a poem called Atavism, and it's for Gabriel Garcia Marquez, uh, who wrote 100 Years of Solitude, which is one of my top favorite, top five favorite novels of all time. And if you haven't read it, uh, you should do yourself a favor and go read it. It's a little hard to get through at the beginning because there's, like, several generations of family, and they all have the same last name and mixed-up names and different versions of the same name. So there's a genealogy chart in the back. But you have to get through it. It's really amazing. Um, this is called Atavism. Maybe time is a water slide, flowing up instead. We stand in its pool, already wet and out of breath. Deaf, the tired lifeguard, yawns at the top, a whistle around its neck. The end of the ride pulls you from the pool by your hair. Your head laps around its axis Monday, an umbilical cord that issues itself forever from a family yoke. It's a thin strand, a band of redundancy, like the abundance of Buendia sons and daughters, all fodder for the prophecy of one pigtail. I forget how much time I have, so I'm just going to keep doing some poems and you just tell me what's, what's what. Uh, this is called Visitation Rights, uh, and it's about my father. I'm going to visit him. Hot dogs blackened on metal hangers in a front yard fire pit. Sandstorms that interfere with the basketball playoffs. His garden and our holes hollowed to house wolf girls or volcanoes. Flies on the glass eyes of humble cows, dirty diapers, cheap donuts earned with dishes washed, Bibles read. The radio bellowing gospel, the taste of powdered copper in the wind in Arizona, our Augusts quenched by 25-cent sodas, 10-cent candies, McDonald's pancakes, and dollar store crossbows. I don't remember my father's arms, only the scratch of his whiskers against my face, his lisp over the phone. I remember a nine-year-old with a photograph, a ten-year-old with the blue-black cackling soothsayer of a magic eight ball bubbling up with concentrate and try again. Thanks. How do you guys normally do the features? Do you do, you do the clapping in between? Should we save all the clapping at the end? I don't want your hands to get all sore and, and tired and... 
That's good. There, thank you, Scott. I'll be like, okay, now clap at the end of the piece. No, don't. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> It'd be a little awkward. It'd feel a little forced. I want everything to feel natural and easy here, you guys. That's how poetry should feel. It should just feel like it happens. It falls out of your mouth. It's not forced. All right. Um. Hmm. Okay. This is um the one the so the art the art that Tiffany pointed out is a, a very famous painting by Andrew Wyeth from 1948 called Christina's World. And uh, in Bruce Beasley's poetry class, we were working on ekphrastic pieces, so poems based on other works of art. And uh, he just put it up on a giant screen and had us free write about it. And this is a poem that I produced from that exercise. It is called uh, Christina did not notice at first how small home was until she left it until she fled from the silence of her father's weight on her upon waking it was less than the value of the crops each blade of golden life more precious than her auburn strands scattered stuck to her face with spittle pressed into her pillow today she understood the phrase homestead as instead or steady as seasons or perhaps steadfast as her heart beat pounding the porch with her feet, fasting as each day swallowed a vaporous hope that she'd outlast him, that the ruts in the land led toward her history while her hands wandered away, wondered which way would leave her palms empty in the swath of harvest. Her father does not follow her this time, belt-knuckled. Christina waits for the chase, rubs wheat ears into her goose flesh, the wind warbles between the cracks in the barn. The boards are old and sing in deep baritone to her as the shadows grow longer than her hemline. I'm thinking like four more or something around there. Um, I did a, a couple of... So I'm really obsessed with names uh, and what they mean so I did a, a piece a while ago that's just about the name Diane and the goddess Diana um, and I like that poem but I feel like I read it a lot and so I'm going to skip to the partner poem uh, called Apology uh, so it's about the god Apollo and their relationship and uh, oh wait I have a new version of it there's an edited version um, but it's about one of my very best friends uh, in the whole world uh, well, I think we have a similar relationship, metaphorically, between the goddess Diana and god Apollo. Anyway, uh, it is called Apology. You directed so many muses, and loved me too, back when we used to live together in that haven of decaying moonbeams. We were incessant, our fingers tangled in each other's hair. We both wore it long then. You go burning by, have taken the place of the horses before your chariot and whip yourself daily around the earth. Last night the moon was half empty and you, god of the tripod and prophecy, asked, what did you want to tell me? If I'm Diane, you must be Apollo. I know the myths don't matter, neither do our names. They confused it all so long ago anyway, called me Artemis, called you Helio. What matters is that we were written kindred. Your mother was a goddess too. She and I had the same name. You were born the day after me, and I always knew I'd die the day after you. 
I will always want to tell you how sorry I am that we can't ride the sky together. You'd never been able to grow a beard. These days, you forget, you forget to check your reflection in me, your mirror, and yellow-red sunspots sprout from your chin. I heard once that women have a biological urge to mate with bearded men. But we never wanted children. You had visions, and I had to hunt. So the exciting thing is I think I'm going to read a few pieces that didn't actually end up making it into the chapbook, um, although I really wanted them to at the time, uh, just because it was like either they weren't ready or uh, I didn't think they fit thematically, and I care a lot about thematic things. Um, so uh, I'd like to read a couple of those, just because I, I, I hate when you buy a book from somebody and you feel like you read all the best pieces in the book when they, when they performed them. So I want there to be things that you can't get in there, so you have to do a little exploring if you buy the book. Um, which you don't have to, whatever. It's cool. Um, uh, this is another slight reference to geology and to Gabriel Garcia Marquez, because I can't stop it. Um, but uh, this one is for this gentleman who's sitting right in front of me. Uh, Jakey Worian, because uh, I love him, and he's the most wonderful. So this is called um, Love in the Time of Ice Melt. Like a rock slide, your laughter shakes free my loose sediment, cracks sheets of scar tissue talismans from my glaciated shoulders, sloughs layers of old wo wounds to the ocean, amends it all at once, yet degree at a time. I test the difference in salinity with words you said of me like fearless or classy or honest. They caress my spinal column and lift my familial migrations north, north, north. I measure it in decades where the water level rises. I watch as shores slip into skin colluviums, into weeks into inches now hidden beneath miles of millions of gallons of new sea. It will take years to explain, due to the quick, slow build of carbon. Years. Pockmarked with divots of disbelief until I can conclude that you knocked my ancient cavities loose. How are you feeling? What's happening? What are we doing? How long has this been? What's happening? Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, two more? Three more? Two? I don't know. Three is perfect? Okay, good. All right, that's what I was thinking. Um, okay. Um, this piece is called Six String. Uh <laughs> Tom, with no H, knows that uh, I was learning to play guitar uh, uh, recently, in the last year and a half. Uh, I don't at all consider myself a musician. It's very, very hard. Musicians, good on you, because that shit is difficult. My calluses have totally gone away, because I've not played in, like, eight months. So uh, I do now, and I'm like, ow, these strings hurt. Um, anyway, but I was at one time learning how to play, and I enjoyed a lot. Um, and this poem happened once uh, during finals week, a couple of quarters ago uh, when my family felt like it was falling apart and 
school was hard, and life was hard, and everything was sucking, and I was like, I'm going to take a break from all this stupid studying, and I'm just going to restring this guitar, because Jake bought me some new strings, and was like, you know what, you're at the time, you're learning to be a musician, you have to learn how to string your guitar by yourself. Um, and uh, it should have been a relaxing thing, uh, and it was not. It never is, uh, and it wasn't. Um, but the good thing is that it, uh, I'd been trying to write this stupid poem and had like six or seven drafts before this final even idea, and uh, I was trying to string it, and the very first one I did, I just fucking snapped it, and I just like sat there on my floor and stared at the guitar for like 20 minutes, maybe. Um, <laughs> and then right after that, I wrote this poem, uh, but there was a lot of staring for a while. Um <laughs> Of like I can't do anything, you know. Okay, uh, so this poem happened. Uh, it's called Six String. E. I admit, today I broke the first guitar string I'd replaced without help. Held the two halves in my hands, stared at the kink I think I put there, cranking it without slack. It hangs like an ancient whisker in the sagacious cheek of our history. A blood tie to my family. Cynics of the basements and bunkers hunkered down for the long haul. B. I stole so many black elastic hair ties from my sisters back when we obsessively braided each other's hair into tiny piles of dreads to pass the time. Esther was the eldest, her hair all corkscrews, willing to curl into weave even at thirteen. Jessica, the youngest, had stick-smooth strands before brown rows of wood-panel eyes. We used to tease her, saying she was full of shit, and it fit with feces, the nickname Lydia and I gave her. G. My grandmother didn't stop her husband when he took their daughters to his bed. But when her, da when her granddaughter, Jessica, still believed in Santa Claus, she gave her a bell from his sleigh with a piece of fishing line left dangling and frayed at the ends. My mother is frozen taut in our photographs from the mall, getting our picture taken on his lap. D. I have Jessica's sleigh bell tied to my toe, and every step jingles apology. See, she and I shared bunk beds. See, she was asleep but still with me when our uncle pawed apart the threads of my sweater. That sin of a snapped string, that slack blaming, hanging like a noose, handwoven and helpless, like me. I was born with black hair, but now I bleach it. A. Today, I find the fennel flavor of our family web in my bed sheets. Those sticky tendrils hang from my head, withering in the wind where some callous kid walked through, left those broken things so thin. There was only one high E in the set, and all but two of us are still tethered to that same hollow chest. I guess Esther and Jessica frayed long before they left. E. How ridiculous the unfinished drafts seem. Knowing you could choke because I don't know a damn thing about chest compressions, or how to get my lips to give life back, or testify as to what really happened. I said that was the first string, but last summer, when we were last under one roof, I tried to tune Mom's blue guitar, the one Esther, or was it Jessica, had gotten for her birthday, the one she never learned to play. 
The plastic strings were muffled with so much dust, the low E busted immediately, and I froze, posed in shock mockery, until we all broke into cackles over our wine. We didn't spill any that time. Thank you. All right, we're, we're nearing the end. This is the two more poems moment. Um, uh, I had the very lucky fortune of going to a conference this summer and getting to just write and read other people's stuff and attend uh, really great workshops for a week. And uh, I met a really amazing person in my creative nonfiction class. And uh, we're still friends. We correspond a little bit uh, through um, mail or email. And... Um, He's this wonderful person from Poland named uh, Marek, and uh, I had to write a poem about him because he's had such an amazing life. I really hope he writes his book one day because everyone should read it. Um, so I wrote a poem, and this is one that's for him, and it's not in the book because it doesn't really fit in the book, but I love it so much. Uh, it's called Potato Problem. There is problem, says Marek. The man from Poland I met in Port Townsend at the old fort but also, he says, but also, I hear. He taught me about the beetle I discovered at his feet. He said it was a potato bug. Taught me what they called it in Poland. Something like, Sunjuk. I had him pronounce it twice, but now I don't remember. It comes and it eats all the potatoes. He recalls. Its thumbnail, body, and leaflet feelers confuse him. There is problem. We admire its stripes. It's jagged, black next to white, next to black, encapsulated. In contrast, he says, there is depth. But also. He is surprised when I tell him to write his story. He doesn't believe this generation is listening. That we do not care about the Iron Curtain or the Blacklist, his white bathtub bed, or how his daughter's face wrapped in gauze with swollen ba brain, stated, We all will recover, Papa. How he did not recognize her then. Marek is not sure. Maybe this is Potato Beetle. Maybe no. He picks it up, and we search for a white space to set it down on again. Last poem's happening uh, is the funniest poem that didn't make it into the book because it's the title. It's the title poem uh, called Colluvium, and I just hated the early drafts of it, and it wasn't ready, and I was ready to print the book, so I just went ahead and printed the book, and I was like, maybe it's just not time. Um, so, real quick, Colluvium, by the way, when I is a poem, I, is a word that I found in a Bruce Beasley poem, and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And I looked it up. And it's got a beautiful definition, so I, I feel like the definition is almost a poem itself. It's a noun from geological terms, loose earth material that has ac accumulated at the base of a hill through the action of gravity as piles of talus, avalanche debris, and sheets of det uh, detritus moved by soil creep or frost action. I just think it's great. So uh, I wanted you to know the definition because I'm going to read the title poem, and it feels, it feels whole, right, if you know all those things. So... This is called Colluvium. Don't call it a landslide. 
Call it a cascade if you must name it. The fracture won't stand there forever. It spins itself smooth of you. The detritus rich with nutrients despite the frost action and soil creep. So how does that charismatic rhizome find holes to take hold in, mold its roots around? We're not supposed to be balloons, but colluviums, waste in landfill, wistful for landscapes. If only we knew how to fall upon the mountain instead of pretending we're sure-footed. I bet it would feel like flying long enough to believe we're more than pebbles that leapt. I bet it would feel intentional, like blood flow after tourniquet's release. Thank you. Next guest. Come back next week.